Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award-winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors, drive with peace of mind. 041-983-1100. You're very welcome to Thursday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Founded 62 years ago and based in the wonderful St. Peter's Church in the heart of Drogheda, founded by Eugene Mooney and guided since 1996 by only its second musical director, Edward Holly, the choir has enjoyed success and entertained generations of admirers at home and abroad. Next week, they officially launched their third album called Happy Together, which I'm privileged and honoured to say they're giving us an exclusive preview on Late Lunch this afternoon. Play a song for me in the 
Fantastic, gentlemen. Thank you so much indeed. Yes, the gentlemen, or some of them, from St. Peter's Male Voice Choir, who are joining us live in studio on late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Edward Holly, second only ever musical director of the choir. You're very welcome to the show with the boys. Will you introduce them from the left? You know them all. Who's with us today? Uh, that's Larry Stout, uh, face with John Daly. Unless they want to say hello themselves, they can do that as well. No, 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 you, you introduce them. It. Go on, along and, the line. Uh, then in the baritones we have Donald Black and Damien Brady and Oliver Plunkett. Oliver's a founder member of the choir. He was there well before I was back in the days. And then on the first tenors here we have Alan Cox and Paddy Davis. And second tenors we have John Taff, Don Hammond and Eamon Carney. Will you explain those different voices? This is something I'm intrigued about. What's the difference between the uh, first and second tenor? Um, a little bit in the range and the colour, I suppose. I had known you'd done so I would have done my homework. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so the first tenors sort of tend to be expected to sing maybe a third, a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, and then the second tenors a little lower. But sometimes, you know, sometimes the parts overlap in arrangements as well. That can happen mm. too. I just see two members of the one family, the Delaney's. One is a first and the other is a second tenor. So it's not genetic. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> what about baritones? Are we going down into the boots here as yeah, we move along? So a, lo- a lower voice type. I think baritone tends to be the most popular voice, mm. um, in, well, in my experience anyway. And um, and the basses sort of sometimes have to go down to a low kind of down there. <laughs> oh, they're in their boots, there. definitely, on um, the floor. So they work hard and they have to stay up really late at night. They have to stay up <laughs> till 4am in the morning before a concert so then the voice is really gravity for the show, you know. <laughs> I love it, I love yeah. it, I love it. Thank you for explaining that, Edward. Well, congratulations to you all on the choir on this magnificent time. Your third album is released and if the pre-sales are anything to go by, there's great excitement. Yeah, it seems to be really exciting. Um, would you believe it's been nine years since the last yeah. album? I can't believe mm. it was that long ago. So yeah, our third album, and it's a little bit different to the others. Um, I think if you listen to all three records together, you hear three different sides of the choir. You know, the the Awakening was things like Going Home, Comrade Song of Hope, these really great old school, Battle Hymn of the Republic, these really great old school arrangements. And then our second album was a Christmas album, which was very special. And then this album tends to cover more the sort of concert items we've been performing over the last decade, yeah. probably since So This Is Christmas. So yeah. Some old ones and some very new songs as well. But I, I do say there is great interest in this album and it's following on from the success. You were here with me, Noreen Bond. Oh my word, this summer, how that went for you. You hit the charts big time. We couldn't believe that. I mean, I never ever dreamt the Male Voice Choir would get into the charts. You know, it was incredible. <laughs> iTunes charts, never I, mind. iTunes chart, yeah. So that was Noreen Bond. That was my own arrangement of that. Uh, that actually features as a bonus track on this album and it's a different version to the single that was in the charts as well it's got a full orchestration on it now so if you've already downloaded the single the version on the album is even more even more beautiful fantastic now Brian Masterson is a man renowned in Irish music circles and he's with you again on this album that's right yeah Brian recorded So This Is Christmas with us nine years ago and we're delighted to have him back he is an incredibly talented man um, he has worked with the Chieftains Van Morrison I think he taught Adam Clayton to play the bass guitar for you two. That's an arguable thing how well that went. And uh, <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only kidding. And um, better mind yourself with those. Yeah, I better mind myself mm. actually. Yeah. And then he works on all the Anuna records. So we were just thrilled um, to have him on board uh, behind operating the controls. And the role of a producer is absolutely massive in a project like this. How long is this in the making? Well, well, <laughs> we we started um, around May of 2017. 
we sort of said we'd like to have a an album, but we weren't sure even financially whether we were in the position to do it or not. So we just went up to Windmill Lane. Let's record a few songs. We did that. They went really well. You kindly gave us a lovely preview of, of those songs then. Um, and then there were a couple more sessions. Noreen Bone was recorded during the summer in July. And then we went in October then to tr- really try to get the album out for Christmas. Which um, And I have to take my hat off to the lads as well, who've worked really hard. Um, very, very dedicated. And they're, the way they behaved in the studio was incredible. You know, that Brian would be coming out. You know, we need this. Can we have this a little bit quieter? All this kind of thing. And the way they could pay attention and listen to Brian was absolutely immense. A little bit like you were here a few minutes ago before <laughs> we went on air with them as well yourself, Edward. Yes. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Now, it's always very important to be nice to the lads. <laughs> you get the best results that way. By the way, you don't know we were recording all that, so we have it. <laughs> We've got we another bonus track then, It's, it's coming as part of our giant outtakes show on Late Lunch One Day. This is what really happens with St. Peter's Male Voice Choir behind the scenes. I jest, I jest, we don't. But look, it is uh, your commitment and dedication to this that has sustained and made this choir grow and develop over the years. Yeah, I've been with them um, since 1996, as you say, and um, I've watched um, I've watched myself develop as a musician as well, as a conductor and arranger. In the early years, I didn't arrange that much, and then several years later, I started arranging songs. Um, I find myself tailoring songs now for the voices. So like Noreen Bourne, I knew I had a really, really fine choir, and I could make that arrangement for them, um, especially for their voices. Um so I've just, yeah, just watched them develop over the years. New members coming in, which are always welcome. You know, we always say new members keep coming in. You know, you'll be made feel very much at home. Yes. How many members have you now at the moment? Um, there's about 49 singers involved in singing the CD. Which yes, is, you're dead is right. I actually terrific. counted from yeah. the album sleeve. That was just another little test. That's it. I knew there'd be a quiz, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're certainly going to have a quiz with the uh, images of the boys that are on the album. You know what I'm talking about here, and they do as well. I think this is a lovely feature. You have pictures of all the choir members in their youth, mm, yeah. in, their, in their early youth, let me say, as well. Yeah, that that's something that just came to us. Um, the sleeve designer actually is, would you believe, is U two sleeve designer Steve Avril, and um, I, which was an amazing find, and he's done a beautiful job yes. on the booklet. So we're, we welcome people to download the album, but we would certainly encourage you to buy it as well because there's a booklet with not just those beautiful photographs of of the lads in the choir when they were very young. We have beautiful pictures of the choir performing at Lawrence's Gate at the Close the Gate concert. Uh, Tony Campbell has taken some amazing photos, beautiful photo of Mary McAleese Bridge, mm. all that type of thing. Richie Hatch, you have to thank him as well. So it's a lovely collection. But yeah, the men's boys was just a really nice idea. I don't know, it was just kind of a... I just wanted to see them when they were younger. I just thought it was great, you know, just a really... Uh, it's a lovely collection of photographs. Who's that pretty fella there? Yeah, well, I don't know. Are we going by the hair? Or? No, well, forget the no. hair at this stage. No, that's that's Eamon Carney. Yeah. <laughs> Eamon, you're a lovely child, I have to say. You're a lovely child. Really, really lovely. You all are. Uh, I want to head to a short break and late lunch. Before I do, is the album available today to download? It is. Well, actually, on iTunes, there's a pre-order. And if you buy it today on iTunes, you can actually receive three of the tracks. And then you receive the rest of the album on the 29th of November when it's released. When it's officially released. Mm. Okay. And uh, the album is Happy Together. You're a happy bunch, aren't you? Is that, is, is that why you picked that title for the album? Yeah, we, we, we gave the title a lot of thought, actually. And a title for an album really has to relate to the collection of songs that's there. Mm, mm. And that was actually late to the party. We had a few other titles in mind. And then eventually, 
as we listened, and even as the choir members, the choir members actually were suggesting titles as well, which was terrific. And then as we listened to the collection of songs, we just felt that that was a title that just summed up the, the mood of the album. It's a mm. fun record too. There are serious songs on it, but there's a lot of great fun tracks on it as well. Really uplifting. There is, and an uplifting song we're going to have in a moment. Let's head to our first break on Late Lunch, and we'll be back with the boys from St. Peter's Male Voice Choir, and reminding you, they're in concert for the Christmas, 7th of December, St. Peter's Church in Drogheda, the 8th, the Barbican, and the 15th, sorry, you can't go to the 15th. They told me there's one ticket left for the 15th in the Dread Art. So if you're out there and you want one ticket for that concert, give us a shout. Anyway, back with more from St. Peter's Male Voice Choir after the break. They're very happy together. Yes, the gentlemen of St. Peter's Male Voice Choir, their third album is out on the 29th. We have an exclusive preview on Late Lunch this afternoon. Oliver Plunkett, I had to have a word with you when Edward pointed you out there to say you were a founding member. Can you remember the, the, the early days when it all began? Yes, it began for me um, in around 1948 when Reverend Father Coyle was starting a boys' choir in Dohada and he came to the various schools in the town and he recruited about 50 boys and from that he formed a choir of around 20 and I was lucky enough to be selected along with a lot of other well-known boys in in the town and I was there for right until 1950 in the whole year and um, then I progressed from that as went on some years later into the, the male voice choir uh, there was always a men's choir in St Peter's Church and uh, Eugene Mooney with some members of the male voice choir or the men's choir at that time decided to have a male voice choir mm. and subsequently I joined that uh, in when it was founded in 1956 my word here at the moment still stinging (laughs) I think that deserves a major round of applause from everybody here today that is one unique achievement that you are there from the very beginning and and you you love it as much as ever today well absolutely it's 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 wonderful it's a great relaxation to come and uh, sing in the the choir and the camaraderie is wonderful Mm. and as Edward said earlier that uh, we always welcome new members I mean I've seen a lot of guys come through the choir and uh, some have come back who were there when I was in, in the boys' choir too, and it's great that we're, as the our CD says, happy together after yeah. all these years. Oh, it's so wonderful! It's, it's really a wonderful and a pleasure for us to be in. Here. Congratulations to you, and you do sport a famous name, Oliver Plunkett. Is it yeah, by well, name and nature? Are you really saintly, Oliver? Oh, yes. Well, uh, boys, is he really saintly? We will just keep that as rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb yes. in, in the background there for the moment. <laughs> Oliver, yes. continued uh, joy and singing to you, and thank you for joining us here with the gentlemen today. We're going to hear another song from uh, the choir. And thank you, Oliver. And this is a special request I will confirm on my behalf to the boys today. Because today is Thanksgiving Day. And we say happy Thanksgiving to all from the USA living in Ireland, all listening to us. Because I know they're listening on the east coast of the USA. They get up in the mornings with late lunch, all the expats from Louth and Mead. So good morning to you. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your turkey. I can't wait for mine on the 25th of December, by the way. Anyway, have a great day. And this one is specially for you because the boys from the choir are going to sing an American trilogy. Oh, 
Oh my, if they could only see the back of my neck at the moment. I have more hair there than anywhere else and it's standing on end, I can tell you folks at the minute. Absolutely brilliant, gentlemen. Every time that song gets me and again we dedicate it to our friends from the USA who are living here or listening in abroad this Thanksgiving day. Edward, it's a special one, isn't it? It really is one of those songs, one of those anthems that gets you. Yeah, it's a lovely song and it's it's beautifully arranged as well. We picked that up from our colleagues in the Bridge End Choir when they came over in 2016. Um, could I just add at this stage as well, this album does contain some a cappella pieces and pieces with just piano and it also contains a lot of songs with full orchestra, which I think people will really enjoy to hear male voice harmonies singing with full orchestra. This is quite a particular big production on the album as well. If you want to hear the boys and make Christmas extra special this year, I will remind you again. They're at home in St. Peter's Church in the heart of Drogheda on the 7th of December. And I'm delighted to say I'll be with them on that very special night. And the 8th is the Barbican, the Barbican Theatre. At the 7th, the tickets are on sale from the West Court Hotel from Black's Garden Centre. The Barbican have the tickets for the Saturday night. And I'm afraid the 15th, that ticket's gone. Is that okay? Oh, we just sold that last <laughs> ticket. It's full. The full up signs are gone. I don't know, but it's gone. So the, the 15th, you can just forget about that one. The album launches on the 29th. It's available to download and a buy again from Donal at Black's Garden Centre and will be available at the concerts. The concerts, the West Coast Hotel will we'll sell them as well, choir members and all the rest. And would you believe there's already 300 pre-orders in for it already? Terrific. So it's oh my God, I, I ain't one bit surprised. 62 years founding members still with them new members coming all the time entertaining the generations as I said at home and abroad this is a choir that this town Drogheda is so proud of St Peter's Male Voice Choir continued success gentlemen have a great Christmas good luck with the album I know it's going to be a big hit and I want to say thank you it's my honour and pleasure to be first to hear the tracks on the album on late lunch this afternoon thank you all indeed thanks a million thank Jerry. You. thank you, thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Did you know that County Louth has one of the highest incidence rates of lung cancer in Ireland? And since November is Lung Cancer Awareness Month, we're going to focus on a disease that evokes negative perceptions, but one where awareness and recognising early signs and symptoms can make a huge difference in treatment, aftercare and prognosis. The Marie Keating Foundation has a campaign running called I Am Lung Cancer, and I'm joined today by the Foundation's CEO Liz Yates and broadcaster Venetia Quick, who's one of the campaign ambassadors. Ladies, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Liz, if I could start with yourself. Um, In the, I hate to say this, I use this term, but the Cancer League table, where does lung cancer sit? Well, lung cancer is the third most common uh, cancer in Ireland. There are 2,600 people diagnosed with lung cancer in Ireland every year. Um, And sadly, uh, it's the biggest killer it's of, of all types of cancer. So while prostate cancer, for example, would be much more prevalent for men or breast cancer for women, uh, lung cancer is the cancer that actually kills more people every year in Ireland. Um, and a reason for that, which we'll probably talk about later, Jerry, is because the majority of lung cancer patients present at stage three or stage yes. four, which is, is too late, unfortunately. 
Um, and that's why we're running a campaign in order to raise awareness about the important signs and symptoms so that people will get uh, diagnosed at an earlier stage and that there's a better chance of a positive outcome. And that's the message we want to impart today. Are the numbers rising or falling? They're rising and in fact for women in particular it's quite alarming. By 2020 more women will be diagnosed with lung cancer than uh, with uh, breast cancer. Why is that? Um, I think it's a a throwback to um, smoking. We know obviously that more um, people are giving up smoking. So I think it's 23% of the population now smoke as compared with 28% uh, 10 years ago. And 85% of lung cancer cases are related and associated with smoking. Um, But obviously there are different campaigns. You know, our our nurses in our uh, community outreach work are going into communities, educating people about the risk factors relating to smoking. Um, But so there are other risk factors as well. There's family history. Um, It's not always smokers. 15% of lung cancer patients have never smoked in their lives. Um, So passive smoking is a factor. There can be family history. Chemicals, Uh, industrial type of stuff, yes. Exactly. Radon, asbestos, Mm. uh, diesel fumes, you know, they're all associated with lung cancer. of environmental hazards that are around us every day of the week. Correct, correct. Okay, so... Loud, this is this intrigued me when this information came. You loud me there you today uh, on the local radio station. Is there any factor in loud that puts loud right up there? It's difficult to say, Jerry. You probably be in a better position to say uh, why in particular. So it's mainly the Leinster region with Louth, uh, Meath, Carlow, Dublin, mm. um, being the the, the counties you know where thinking. there's a higher incidence. Yeah, well, you know what I'm just thinking. Just what I mentioned a moment ago yeah. there, because you're talking about uh, more industrialised, you know, higher populations in those counties as well. Perhaps so. I'm, I'm sure they're, they're contributing. I'm sure factors. that's related. Um, the signs and symptoms you mentioned a moment ago. What should you look out for? What are early indications to say there possibly could be something wrong? Okay. Well, and I think. The reason why um, people don't pick up the signs of of lung cancer at an earlier stage is because they could be attributed to something else. So there are things like a persistent cough. So if if your cough is still there after three weeks and it's persistent, you know, that's one alarm bell. Secondly, shortness of breath or breathlessness. Like if you're out gardening and mowing the lawn and you find yourself, you know, kind of breathless when last summer you you weren't breathless doing the same thing, you know, that um, is another reason. Weight loss that's unexplained or maybe loss of appetite or if you're just feeling very generally fatigued, um, that's another factor. And then another one is coughing up blood. So mm. if at any stage there's blood in your sputum, that's a, a reason to, to, to call on the alarm bell. And particularly if you have more than one of those symptoms. So that, you know, they could be, you know, a chest infection or something else. But if particularly if more than one of those symptoms, we would always say go to your GP and get them checked out because it may be nothing sinister. But on the other hand, it could be masking something more serious. And as we said earlier, early detection is so important. It's important. And this is mentioned in the context of all cancers. But lung cancer, and I know from a family experience, 
when you hear it, it, the negative connotations you talk about as well, that it's very serious and the outlook can be really, really dire. But if you are diagnosed early and go with those symptoms and it's got in an early stage, is the outlook much better? Absolutely. And in the last 10 years, Jerry, there have been massive improvements and advances in the new treatments um, that are now available. So if it's caught at stage one or stage two, the, the chances of a positive outcome are very strong. That's great. Um, and one of our patient ambassadors, uh, Michael, who was a smoker and with a persistent cough, he presented and he had a, one of one of his lungs removed. But he's still hale and hearty. He's gone through his chemo treatment and, and thankfully he is still with us today. Let's bring Venetia quick into the conversation. Venetia, lovely to meet you lovely today. To and you, you are me. an ambassador. Tell yeah. our listeners why you're an ambassador. Um, well, uh, the Marie Keating Foundation very kindly asked me um, to become involved with um, this campaign, the I'm Lung Cancer campaign. Um, because aside from the... Um, the campaign wanting to help people recognise the signs and symptoms. They also had carried out some research about the stigma that seems to be attached to people who present with lung cancer. And basically they found out that one in 10 people believe it's acceptable to basically blame somebody that has lung cancer. That's... I know, it's sort of shocking. That's true, yeah. Unbelievable, yeah. isn't it? And, and should never be the case. It's nobody's fault. You can't put the blame on somebody. Well, it seems a bit, I mean, I was saying before, somebody that I'm not a great figures person. And when I first read those stats, I had to come back and read it again mm. because I actually didn't believe what I was reading was correct. Um, as Liz was saying, people get lung cancer all the time. It's not necessarily from smoking. It can be from various other factors. It can be genetic but it doesn't really matter no. anyway, because no matter what your lifestyle choice is, whether it's something that is, uh, you have a good lifestyle, whether you might have the odd pint, you might eat too many donuts, you know, you might smoke. Not that anyone's condoning any of the above. It's nobody deserves to get cancer. Exactly. You know, and we, we have to remember this, Venetia, as well. Years ago, it was cool. And remember, we have people living when it was really acceptable mm. and it was the they norm. smoked and, in maternity yeah, hospitals. Yes, yeah. and people got hooked on this yeah. thing because it is a drug. And when you get hooked on it, it's mm. very hard to kick it. But you have personal experience as well. I do, yeah. My husband um, passed away from cancer in February this year. And he has a link with where he you does, are today. Yeah, he does. He's from Dada. And yes. his name? Is Martin Thomas. Was Martin Thomas. Is he the is famous Thomas. Thomas family? He is. Joe Thomas. Shop Street yeah. in Dada. Oh my the God. Goods. Are you listening, folks? Don't we all remember Joe Thomas's <laughs> yeah. shop and going there as children and with our and own Martin children? Martin used to work. It, actually, it was one of the things that... I mean, Christmas is a big time for us because that's, I think, when shortly before that we got together. But it was, um, I, it was one of the things I always found very attractive about him because he was sort of the big man around town in Dublin and he ran nightclubs and nights and in nights and stuff like that. But always around the 23rd of December, he'd insist on going home to help his dad in the shop. Oh. And that was, he would beg, borrow and steal a lift home to get home because that was what he did at Christmas. That is yeah. one legendary stop in Drogheda. I mean, so many people listening mm. today understand what I'm talking about. And what happened to him? Tell, tell us his story. Um, basically, 
in September last year. He he sort of lost a lot of weight. He'd sort of got quite thin. He, you know, he'd been under a bit of stress, um, but he had a bad cough. Um, and we'd been away and he didn't have any energy. He was totally, he hardly got in the pool. He sort of didn't really, you know, walking up the road with a bag. He was like, what's in the bag? Do you know what I mean? Because he thought it was really heavy when it wasn't. Mm. Um, so basically shortly after he'd, he went to the doctor and he got checkups, he ended up in hospital and he was diagnosed with uh, stage 3B cancer, lung cancer, which was um, inoperable. Uh, but they could treat it and they could manage it, but they couldn't cure it. Mm. And um, when did he pass away? In February. Oh my God, it's so very fresh. We with sort you, of, isn't it? yeah. Well, we, we thought we thought he did 10% chance of five years, so that was our our aim. And unfortunately, he got five months because of where it was and mm. how it panned out. So you know, it was very it was very quick. It was very. I mean, when somebody is diagnosed I think with cancer it takes you at least six months to even come to terms with it let alone start to come to terms with it and lose the person Mm. in that time so I think even now we're still coming to terms with the fact myself and the kids the fact he had cancer let alone the fact he's had it and gone and he's passed and I I, know we really understand Mm. why you are passionate about this and you want to be part of this well I think it's sort of disgusting really because people I mean, so many people, unfortunately, are being diagnosed with cancer every day. Um, I was reading some stats. I don't know if this is correct, but by 2020, one in two people are going to be diagnosed with some sort of cancer or have some sort of connection with cancer. So nobody knows that it's not going to be them. Do you know what I mean? And I think if somebody really feels that somebody deserves to get cancer, then perhaps they should take a step back and maybe see somebody who has cancer, somebody, maybe a family that's left behind or actually put themselves in that position and think, how would I feel if my partner got cancer and really everyone blamed them? Because I do believe that by stigmatising the patient, you're actually stigmatising everybody in their lives and in their close circle. Absolutely. And I couldn't that's agree not with nice you more. to actually No, think. it's not. It really isn't. I Am Lung Cancer is the campaign, the Marie Keating Foundation. We're talking to Liz Yates, the CEO, this afternoon. And Venetia Quick is with us as well. And we'll be talking more about this wonderful campaign after the break. Yes, the campaign is I Am Lung Cancer, the Marie Keating Foundation, who incidentally are 20 years on the go this year. Can you believe it? We're talking today to CEO Liz Yates and broadcaster Venetia Quick is with us as well. Liz, back to yourself for a moment. I am lung cancer. What about this? Why this? What are you hoping to achieve? Well, it's a it's the second uh, national lung cancer awareness campaign, uh, Jerry. And our aim really was to put the spotlight on lung cancer. But particularly, we had heard anecdotally that some patients felt that they were being judged or blamed because, yes, they had smoked at some stage in their lives. And they felt less deserving of, you know, access to treatment or, you know, to health care, which we felt was absolutely incorrect and wrong. Mm. So we wanted to kind of just gauge the public perceptions about lung cancer compared with other types of cancer. And so we did an omnibus survey of a thousand individuals um, in the course of October. And it was quite shocking that 27% of people felt that uh, non-smokers who developed lung cancer, that their treatment should be prioritised over those who had smoked. 
and then 10% felt that yes it was right to have a stigma and, and that was okay so and we kind of felt you know we know that patients are presenting at a later stage because they feel they're going to be blamed or given out to by their GP you know with the persistent mm. cough or with the chest infection or blood or so and and the fact that we know more than 40% of people are presenting at stage four tells us that stigma is a factor in the late diagnosis of lung cancer, which is leading to survival rates of just 18%. If you compare that with prostate cancer, where it's over 90%, or breast cancer, where it's 83%, because people are catching it early, because people aren't aware of the signs and symptoms. And so the stigma is one reason why people are reluctant to go to their GP and get themselves checked out. And we're saying that is wrong. Uh, and that's why we're running this I Am Lung Cancer campaign. And, and, and I admire you for it. And it's great because the other two you mentioned there get such high uh, priority and the message is banged out and banged out. In, and it's working. Mm. It is working. The, 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 the stats say it there, what you've just mentioned as well. Absolutely. Well, early detection is key and that's yes. always been a key mm. focus of the Marie Keating Foundation. But it's also educating people about what those yeah. signs and symptoms are and just urging them always, if there's anything at all that's not normal for you, go to get it checked go. and that, that's so important. That is so important. Venetia, yeah. when, when you think about Martin and he was at stage three when he was diagnosed him, himself, yeah. do you reflect and think, could you have done or yes. should you have done anything differently? Yes. Um, I should have probably pushed him more to go to the doctor. Um, as you know, guys in general aren't, they would be more reticent to go to a doctor than perhaps females would for whatever reason. Um and but I think deep down perhaps he was scared maybe of the outcome of the prognosis he was he'd lost a lot of weight when you're living with somebody you don't notice somebody losing weight as much right in front of you Mm. but um, what happened was we went to a friend's 50th and another friend who hadn't seen him in a couple uh, in a couple of weeks said ready to pop the question The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
lost a lot of weight. And I was like, don't you think he has? Because I was sure, like, was starting to go, you're losing a lot of weight. But he was active and, you know, he was running around with three kids and he was running around with the kids. And, you know, he was sort of quite a, a sort of a fidgety sort of guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, and he was generally by genetics, like he's a tiny bit of a beer belly, but by genetics, he was a thin, mm. you know, thin guy. But he had lost a good bit of weight. And I sort of, I, I noticed a slight sort of slight change in his temperament as well and obviously his cough. And I said to him, look, please just go to the doctor. So he said, OK, well, I'll go when I when we come back from holidays. And then over the holidays, it was quite obvious that there was something, something serious, not yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, of course, I think I should have pushed it more. Mm. And, that, know, and I worry our listeners are you listening here. to what Venice is saying today this is the message that's mm. going out here today if you are concerned about somebody who's close to you move on it mm. don't hang back and sometimes it's, it is hard because you can't make people no. do stuff they mm. don't want to mm. do um, and especially if they've something maybe in the back of their head that perhaps they might be thinking the outcome mightn't be good but the only thing I would say is you know Time is a very precious commodity and we have no control over time, but you can buy yourself time if you get yourself checked. You can buy yourself that extra Christmas in our case, or you can buy yourself that extra time with your family or your friends and just just go and do that. Like, don't be afraid Mm. of what the prognosis might be. Just go and whatever it is, then go from there, you know. You mentioned Christmas on the horizon and Mm. New Year and they are significant times in families and this is your Mm. first as well. It ain't Mm. going to be easy. Do you feel that doing what you're doing in his memory and being an ambassador for the Marie Keating campaign Mm. is in itself a help to you? Um, yeah, no, I think it is. I think it's sort of, it's definitely, you know, I just, from my point of view, I sort of feel that the time thing weighs a lot on me and the the fact it was also quick. And I just feel if there's any way, little way you can help somebody else have that extra bit of time, then of course you're going to do it, you know. Isn't she just fantastic? Could I just thank Venetia as well? I mean, I think it's incredibly courageous of mm. her to tell her story and Martin's story and you know we're just so sad about Mm. the the outcome unfortunately Um, but thank you so much and uh, just pay huge credit to you you know he was a very positive person and I would say that he would be going do you know what he'd be up there telling people Oh man, go and get checked. Don't yes. do what I do. And, and that's what he would be saying. He's you know. doing it through yeah, you today so. and in this campaign yeah. as well. And I want to join with what Liz says there. Well done to you. Well, Thank well you. done to you. Uh, just back to you before we finish, uh, Miss CEO Liz Yates <laughs> of the uh, of the Marie Keating Foundation. I did say twenty years. Yeah, an awful lot years. has been achieved, hasn't it, in that time? Absolutely, Jerry. It's, when you look back, um, just so proud of the foundation. We're still a very small team. There's just uh, we have nine nurses and we've eight uh, in the office. Um, but we punch above our weight in terms of our services and the impact on the ground. You know, you'll see our mobile units in every community around the country. 
Um, we run a range of services supporting people at all stages of their cancer journey. So while I said earlier, our key focus is on, you know, preventing cancer and reducing people's risk. So we do uh, schools programmes and workplace programmes and community group programmes, educating people on signs and symptoms of cancer. But we also support people through the cancer journey. Uh, for example, we have a comfort fund whereby we provide people with financial assistance if they're going through cancer treatment because there are a lot of additional costs and often if somebody uh, is the breadwinner, you know, that can impact in terms of income that's coming into a family and people don't need the, the, the additional worry of financial concerns if they're tackling their cancer and their physical uh, illness head on. And then we have a range of survivorship courses and programmes supporting people as they come through their treatment. You know, a lot of people worry about you know, perhaps the cancer recurring or how they'll reintegrate back into the workforce. So we um, have a range of, of services supporting people just to help them make that transition back to the new normal after cancer. And indeed, for people who are living with a terminal diagnosis or more chronic uh, diagnosis, we have positive living workshops for them also. So we're we're there at every step of the way. We try to make every euro go a long way in terms of ensuring that that translates to to services that are meaningful and uh, really helpful to people as they're on a cancer journey. You're doing a wonderful, wonderful job and long may it continue. The campaign is I Am Lung Cancer. Where can people find out more about this besides listening to our conversation here today? Well, our website is uh, mariekeating.ie and there's lots of information about lung cancer and other cancers um, and, uh, and the different support services we provide. Thank you, Jerry, for having us Thank today. Thank you, Liz Yates, CEO of the uh, Marie Keating Foundation, for joining me. And may I say finally to Venetia Quick, I wish you and your Thank children you. and your family the best possible Christmas this year. Thank and you. I really do admire you. I say <laughs> that again. Thanks Thank you for joining us today to tell your story. Thanks Thank a million. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. When greyhounds finish racing, what becomes of them? It's a question that's consistently posed by animal welfare groups in Ireland who've highlighted the plight of these dogs who are often shipped abroad to face appalling conditions and a short life. Brenda Powderly is a greyhound rehomer based near Drogheda who's part of the Irish Retired Greyhound Trust and she joins me now to tell me all about this wonderful initiative. Brenda, you're very welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you for joining much, me Jerry. this afternoon. That it has been an issue for quite a number of years. People saying that when dogs are finished they're just shipped abroad and forgotten about. Has that uh, changed? Jerry? that is uh, completely changed. The Irish Retired Greyhound Trust was set up 21 years ago and its objective is rehoming greyhounds when their racing careers are over, when they're ready to retire. And it's funded by 2% of all winning prize money. Owners who win races 2% of their prize money goes to the Retired Greyhound Trust and that 2% is matched by the Irish Greyhound Board. So in, in all told that's 4% of all winning prize money that's that goes to 2% from the owners, 2% from the Greyhound so Board. So there is an input from the industry there itself? Big input from the industry and actually last year there were almost a thousand Greyhounds rehomed 
through the retired Greyhound Trust. And are most of those rehomed here in Ireland? Actually, they were rehomed some in Ireland, but mainly in Europe, in North America, as I say, Ireland as well. But um, mainly Italy, Germany, Slovenia, France, Sweden. And the demand for the greyhounds in Europe is amazing. Because and Bren, this is an important point, Brent, I suppose, that, that would be raised. The bona fides of people that they're going to, that you know that they're going to be pets, that they're not, there's no ulterior motive. There's no ulterior motive. They're all checked, checked through recognised agencies through by the Retired Greyhound Trust. They're all go through recognised agencies. And you people are quite happy that exactly. that is working well for it's you. It's working well. It's working 100%. And um, is everything is above board. There's no way that they can get, they can fall into the wrong hands. In actual fact, there was a lovely story in yesterday's Irish Mirror. A greyhound that was rehomed in September this year. And he was re- rehomed in Germany through a German agency. And actually he was adopted by a priest in a monastery just across the border in Austria. And there's a lovely story in yesterday's Irish Mirror of the Greyhound and photographs there with him of enjoying retirement in the monastery. Now, how lucky is that dog? Isn't that a lucky animal? What age do they generally stop racing at? They they stop racing. They don't race for a huge amount of time. And this is another... another, thing we'd like to get across. They generally start racing 17, 18 months of age. And by the time they're three, three and a half, that's it really. Now, they don't race every week of the year. Mm. They race now. Our last big night in Shelburne was last Saturday night, the Night of Stars, where you had derby winners, classic winners of all description, all taking part in eight of the races were worth 10,000 to the winner. Now, those dogs, we won't see them again until around about Patrick's Day. Okay. Because they'll come out in the new year again. So what I'm trying to say is they don't race all year round. So their racing career is quite short. Okay. It's quite short. It's nearly like in an adult sense when you see a footballer's life as a short career as well. And these have even shorter. Now, w- when they finished, what age can a greyhound live till? A greyhound can live till 12, 13, 14. I've even heard of 15. Just like any Yes. Dog. So you'd get, if a greyhound retires at three, there's a good chance you'll get 10 good years out of them you at will. least. You will. Now, can you teach an old dog new tricks? Sorry, Brenda, for the pun, but I was just thinking this when you're coming. When you have an animal that's reared to race and there's a regime of exercise and feeding and that, and then suddenly they stop, shall we see with the footballers the way they go a little bit astray? <laughs> what about a greyhound? Actually, a greyhounds adapt very well very well to to retirement and to becoming a household pet. They're actually couch potatoes. They're known as couch potatoes, which is very, very true. They sleep a lot of the time. They're quite lazy, which is... is um, People don't realise how lazy greyhounds can be. They're good for short, sharp bursts of speed. A walk in the morning, walk in the evening, maybe out a little bit at lunchtime, out for a run around the garden, and that's it. They'll take over your couch. That's the only warning I will give. They <laughs> so, will. so they are territorial when they get into your yes, home. They like their comforts, you're saying Very to me. much so. Now, you presented me with a lovely calendar here, and I will treasure it. Uh, Greyhounds as Pets 2019. Is that your fellow on the front of it that's there? That's Ted. That's my, that's my superstar. That's Ted. And that's a beautiful photograph that was taken by Suzanne Collins. Brilliant. Jim Maxi Collins' daughter. Oh, sure. Courses in the veins Absolutely. there, doesn't it? Yeah. Suzanne actually takes some wonderful photographs of, of greyhounds. So that's Ted. He's my superstar, as I, as I said. He's a busy ambassador for the Retired Greyhound Trust. He's now seven and a half years old. I've had him since he was three months old. Reared him, raced him. He won some races for me at Shelburne 
and Harold's Cross and he retired when he was just just gone three year old and uh, he's a busy life now a very busy life which he enjoys he um, at the beginning of this year his first assignment I suppose you could call it was uh, Brian Murphy from Boyle Sports uh, was doing a charity walk from Dundalk to Clanmel last February and it it was an amazing thing that Brian did and it was well supported by Boyle Sports and um, he raised almost 2,000 for six charities, 12,000 altogether. And the charities were the Retired Greyhound Trust, the Injured Jockeys Fund, the Irish Cancer Society, the Kevin Bell Repatriation Trust, Flame Spirit and Pips. Wonderful and charities there. Wonderful charities mm. there. And the old boy was the poster boy for he this walk, actually, wasn't he? When Brian arrived in Drogheda one Friday morning, as far as I remember, and Ted escorted Brian through the town, yeah. yes, till he, till he got him out on the Dublin Road. So that was his first assignment. Mm. His next, his next claim to fame was we got a phone call from um, Firebrand Promotions, and they were doing a children's TV program with a world champion boxing champion Bernard Dunn mm. for Bernard Dunn's Mythical Heroes, and we were asked to go to Ardgillen Castle to film there because. Uh, Bernard needed a greyhound. He was telling the stories of Cúhollán and 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 the mythical heroes of years ago. And he said he'd w- wanted to have a greyhound. So Ted went along and played a blinder, posed for the camera as usual. And it was such a lovely day in it. But our Gillen Castle, the setting was absolutely wonderful. So that's due to go out on RTE sometime round about now. So this really has a career beyond racing. Oh, he doesn't has, end there, he does has it? A bigger career now than he had when he was racing. <laughs> He's actually um, the retired Greyhound Trust. They um, recently we had a launch last Friday week down in Cork of um, our people, their stories. And because we've so many dedicated staff, volunteers and Greyhound owners behind the scenes in the retired Greyhound Trust, along with the IGB representatives, Barry Coleman is our welfare representatives there. And uh, they made a series of videos of 10 videos and Ted and myself happened to be in the in one one of Shelburne Park yes. Brenda and Ted and uh, we had a lovely evening the launch down in Cork last Friday week and uh, we had the Minister for Agriculture Mr Creed there and we had our new IB, IGB chairman Frank Nyman and we had our new CEO who's there just over a year Gerard Dollard we had a wonderful evening and it was great to meet people that I wouldn't have met people from Cork, Kerry, that I wouldn't meet too mm. often, you know. And they, some of them actually brought in their dogs. And it was a, it was a great evening in so Cork. So this is a growing launch. movement and a significant movement it's within the Greyhound family in Ireland. Now, if, if I'm listening to and think, God, you know, I might consider a Greyhound uh, and to take a Greyhound after racing. You mentioned they take over your settee. Do they still continue to need much exercise? What about feeding them? Anything else you should look out for? Well, the exercise is just... Just like any dog, walk in the morning, walk in the evening and just let them out. Maybe if you have a garden, secure area, just let them out for a bit of a run midday. They sleep, as I say, most of the day after that. The feeding, you just, um, it's really like any other dog. You don't need any specialised feeding like what they're on when they're when they're in, in the racing kennels. But just like any domestic pet, just the normal feeding. Mm. And uh, just not to give them too much because they can be a little bit greedy. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they can. <laughs> but for, look, I have to put my cards on the table here. My father, Brendan, you knew him well. Knew him of well. course, he was involved in, in, in the dogs all his life and greyhounds especially. But I always found them very gentle creatures. Like when they got on the track, they d- did their business for sure. But they were, they were lovely to work with. 
absolute adorable dogs to work with. I couldn't praise them enough now. They're big, gentle giants, mm. you know, and people... When they're racing, they see the photographs of them with muzzles and that on. But that's not the true picture of the greyhound. As I say, I've been involved in greyhounds all my life and I wouldn't have any other breed now. And as I say, I have Jack Russells and I have greyhounds, but the greyhounds are the gentle, the gentle giants. <laughs> oh, the little Jack Russell. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be nipping at, you, at, your, at the butts of your trousers and things like that. That is for sure. Brenda Powdell is with us on Late Lunch. We're going to talk more after the break because she's training away and she has racing dogs as well. If you'd like to join in the conversation, or say anything about where, uh, what we're talking about today on the show, don't forget the usual numbers 086 658 by WhatsApp or text, or you can call in if you'd like on 1850 715 958. Brenda Powderly's with me on late lunch, and we're talking about the Irish Retired Greyhound Trust. Now, Brenda, you are still an active trainer and you have dogs in your kennels getting ready uh, to race again in the near future. You have a long history in your family. Tell us where it comes from. It comes from it comes from my uncle, my late uncle Matty Moonan, and my mother, my late mother Sheila Powderly. They were always involved in greyhounds. Greyhounds were part of my life growing up. There was always greyhounds at home. At times we used to have up to twenty. We used to breed maybe two litters a year, and um, it was just part of the family. It was mm. part of what we did, and. Um, I have to say, it, it actually got me involved in greyhounds and it's one thing I am so thankful for because I often said, if I didn't have greyhounds, what would I do? What would I talk about? <laughs> do you know, I'm really so thankful. It put me put me on the right track in many ways. <laughs> I'd have to say, that's great to hear. I remember you from my dad, I mentioned Brendan years ago, and your uncle as well, and your mum. They were all in the greyhound community here in the northeast. Do you remember the Navin track? I remember Navin track with fond memories of Navin track. That's the first greyhound track I ever attended as a child and uh, my first runner was at Navin track and at the time at that time Navin raced on Wednesday and Thursday night sadly it closed about 20 years ago and it was a great blow to the northeast but it raced Wednesday and Thursday night and actually if you missed a night you'd nearly have to explain yourself the following week as to why you weren't <laughs> there you weren't about. but we met such wonderful mm. people I'm thinking back on even people from Drogheda now that um uh, that are past and gone. I'm, I can remember, we'll say Jacko Smith. I can remember, as you say, your father, Brendan Kelly. I can remember Jack Kelly from Boyle O'Reilly and so many, Mrs. many more. Mrs. Monaghan, Paddy. Couldn't remember be Paddy, Paddy and Monaghan. Couldn't be held mm. without them. Uh, May Chute and Joe. Yes. Um, Oliver like Clark. Oliver Clark and Phyllis and Tony Farrell from the Black Bull and uh, like so many Great people, yes. you know. Yeah. Great, great people great who people. loved the game loved that they were the involved in. And I want to mention Willie Cantwell because Willie was the man who ran the show in Navin, wasn't he? Willie was the racing manager there and I don't know how he did it. Um, he kept everybody happy, which is an impossible job for a racing manager <laughs> because you have six dogs in a race and only one is going to win. You have only one person going home happy, but somehow Willie kept everyone happy, you know, and he was there for many years mm. and the Cantwells were very involved in, in the Navin track. I remember Mrs Cantwell, she ran the bar upstairs and like it was so different in those days it wasn't the corporate Oh Brenda look at now. Dundalk Stadium today you remember the ramparts I well, remember don't the you? ramparts actually yes the old track at Dundalk that's where the Marshes shopping yes. centre is now yeah. and many good nights we had there too Jimmy Martin Oh God I loved him it what a man Jimmy Martin was and uh, it was a fantastic track it ran well actually in, in those days 
We did Dundalk on a Monday night. We did Navin Wednesday, Thursday. We did Dundalk on a Friday night. We did Shelburne on Saturday night. And we took a night off on Saturday night. <laughs> and, and they had to be fed and watered and yeah. trained and schooled and everything but besides. Whether, whether you had a dog racing or not, you went to the track. You went anyway, to the racing. You yeah, went to yeah. the racing, yeah. yeah. Whether oh. you had, because you'd always know somebody. There'd be somebody from the town, somebody you'd know, somebody, you know, it always yeah. would be interested in seeing racing, yeah. yeah. Isn't the stadium wonderful in Dundalk? Wonderful. Isn't it's it? an absolute spectacular stadium and it's very unique in that you have the horse racing and the greyhound yes. racing, the greyhound racing in the centre. And of course, it's Christmas party season there now and in Shelburne. Park and it's a wonderful night and and the bookings I believe are mm. terrific for the flying Christmas party. In. Flying Harold's in. Cross went in controversial circumstances. It did. Were you it's, sad to see its demise? I was very sad to see Harold's Cross go because Shelburne is we say the Croke Park of the Greyhound world mm. and like the, the Greyhounds that raced at Harold's Cross, no disrespect to them now they were very good dogs in their own right but you had the cream of the crop just like Croke Park which is Shelburne Park but they've integrated the two now and Shelburne is racing four nights a week Tuesday Thursday Friday Saturday is it working and it's working now it took a little time Mm. but Mm. it's coming together and it's 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 working and um, actually Shelburne is in line for a complete revamp now Please God in the new year, and uh, like it's going to be a wonderful facility. Mm. It's and going to be a wonderful. You mentioned facility. Shelburne and Dublin, of course. Uh, you mentioned the Crow Park that Shelburne is to the Greyhounds, but the Dubs themselves, multiple All Ireland winners, they were in Shelburne. Dubs at the dogs recently, weren't they? It was a wonderful night last Friday night, in fact, and we were there with the three retired dogs, Ted, Brandy, and Hector. Ted and Brandy are with me at home, and Hector is down with Paul and Ronan Smith in Mornington. So we brought the three dogs in, and the Dublin team were there, Sam Maguire was there it was one of the most wonderful nights ever I think in Shelburne Park um, the crowd was as big as a derby crowd and I have to compliment the Dublin team, the time they took for photographs, for autographs, for signing jerseys signing footballs doing, it was amazing mm. it was just an amazing night and the patience that they showed was absolutely wonderful I have some lovely photographs of Ted with Dean Rock, I think they took a shine to each other so <laughs> <laughs> are the great lads and, and actually and I believe the, the Dublin team are going to be um, there's going to be a syndicate formed I believe the Dublin oh. team are to get a greyhound oh I see the near what's this future. space I'm sure it's going to be a real good one. I I don't know what the Mm. the details are yet, but there's a greyhound in the pipeline for the Dublin team. You love what you do. You love the training. You're passionate about this organisation, the Irish Retired Greyhound Trust. If somebody's listening today and they think, you know what, I might like a greyhound or I'll give this a go. How do they go about it? It's very easy. Just contact Barry Coleman in the Retired Greyhound Trust and they'll match a greyhound to your needs. Some people might need a greyhound that is small dog friendly. We can find you one. Somebody might need a greyhound that is cat friendly. We can find you one. And they, they'll they match a greyhound to your needs. Some people might like a very lazy, older type greyhound. We can find you that. Some might like a younger one. Maybe we can find you that. So no matter what your needs are, there's a greyhound for you. So the Irish Retired Greyhound Trust, if you Google that, it's there, all the information, all the information, and you can get in touch with them. All the information is there on that website or igb.ie, the Irish Greyhound Board website. Brenda Powderly, for the moment, thank you so much for joining me on Late Lunch. Thank you very much, Jerry. 
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. And a very happy Thanksgiving to you too, Nigel McKenna. He's listening to us. He's a great fellow, Nigel, uh, with his family in New York City at this very minute. They're tuned in to Late Lunch on the LMFM, uh, preparing the Thanksgiving dinner. Would you give a shout out to my wife, Claudia, who's doing the uh, cooking? Come on, Nigel, get your hand in there in the kitchen and give her a dig out. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, Nigel, and to all expats in the States listening to us on the East Coast and beyond today. And to all all living here in Ireland and we did have the choir with us at the top of the show St Peter's Male Voice Choir and they sang a very special song for you uh, American people and American citizens today and expats as well and we thank them for that but lovely to hear from you Nigel have a great celebration today now talking about celebrating there's a man in this studio sitting with me today and he just has to be on cloud nine because you see folks he has two magnificent awards with him one is the Irish Pub Awards 2018 National Pub of the Year that lied in. He thought he was doing well at that. He's also picked up Irish Pub 2018 Best Food Pub that lied in. Connor O'Neill. Kogorgigas, congratulations to you all. Thanks very much, Jerry. And oh. as you said, we are absolutely on cloud nine. Um, last night at the awards in the RDS, um, we, like, we, we, weren't, we were going for the crack. We got nominated. Uh, we got shortlisted for, for both uh, awards and little did we think we'd have any chance of getting them. All the names listed, all the pubs, all generally super pubs in Dublin, Cork, and these are the pubs that normally win these things. Yeah. Not a pub from the smallest county <laughs> and from one of the smallest villages in the country. This doesn't happen. And when it did, I had nothing to say. I was just completely flabbergasted. <laughs> it's a phenomenal achievement, but I hadn't a notion that we were going to do it. You were lost for words, completely. literally. You just couldn't find it. The shock. Yeah, because uh, it's just it's something that you you don't think is going to happen, even though it does. Like when we they, they actually called out our name wrong, so I said, "Oh, it's not us at all." And this, they mentioned Annie Gaston and counted out, "It has to be us." <laughs> and uh, and then when everyone was coming and the cameras came round on us, I said, "Oh my God, it is us!" and just couldn't believe it. Well, well, it was crazy, well. crazy times, you know. Well, let me say, well deserved for all the work through all the years that you've put in and your family and all the people who've worked there as well. It has paid dividends with these national awards last evening. Completely. I mean, it's it's really it's really um, testament to the strong team that we have. I mean, uh, between our suppliers, for our staff, kitchen, front house, everything. We've a, a, an unbelievable team um, down there and I mean as I said last night to everybody I mean this award like we picked it up but really and truly it's it's for the team that that, mm. that, uh, that it's for and I brought it into the kitchen particularly I was really proud of the food one because we've been trying so hard to bring local produce and, and stick it on the menu um, and, and and you know it, we're, we've always been shouting about our seafood and about the, the local um, the local steaks and all the rest of it everything else we have on it and it's it's fantastic to be knowledge, but in terms of the the, the passion that the that the kitchen team uh, possesses, um, I'm just absolutely delighted for them. Do you mm-hmm. know, absolutely, this is the icing on the cake. Like to get a national pub of the year, my God, like I couldn't believe it. But for me, the the, the best food pub in Ireland, 
I mean that that, that was it's brilliant. really oh, really yeah. special it is it's great for the wee county as well to it win a, a national title like this yeah. tell us about the history of the place you know O'Neill's of Anagas and mm-hmm. the Glide in. how far does it go back uh, well as I said uh, we've, we've some mince pies in from, <laughs> the, from the bakery the wees were elected the <laughs> were elected talk about a day of cakes Michael Carlin happy birthday Michael Carlin when I get the chance to say it 40 years young today <laughs> and a cake was demolished here this morning now we have the mince pies well there we go I, I was just having them for tea and I said Jerry you like them now oh, when I go absolutely. in so you'll enjoy them with a cup of tea <laughs> uh, but anyway well uh, I could be wrong but um my grandfather uh, worked on the the Queen Mary and he was a, a baker on that and he came back and took over the bakery in Annie Gasson. Um and then in the he done very, very well out of it and bought the um, the pub that lied in in the in the sixties. And I think it kind of laid idle, as in they, they kept it going once a year. Um, it opened for the Annie Gasson Carnival, which was the famous carnival at the time, just to keep the licence. Um, and then in the 70s, I think I was one. I think it was 1976 or 97. Or 1977 or 76, Mam and Dad took over as a pub and ran it full time. Before that, Dad was uh, in the bakery mm. uh, with Mick. And uh, then uh, started doing the pub. And um, all of a sudden, one of the, the one of the the nurses from Car came down one day and asked, "Ma'am, uh, has she a bowl of soup?" So she started doing soup. Then she started doing sandwiches, and then it went on from there. Started doing seafood. She went down to Ballymaloo and did a course down there. And uh, then in two thousand, we built the restaurant, and we just got busier and busier. And lo and behold, you have the best. Um, <laughs> pub in Ireland you know, you know what I have to say this this is a first for me on radio Conor O'Neill is pinching himself here still he's still you, you still feel like I can't believe it he's, he's honest, touching right? the trophy he's holding it he's lifting it up here but you know what it's a great story your family story and this business Lynn Ducal, the restaurant mm-hmm. there has really forged a niche for itself it's a go-to place isn't it oh it is it's it's a destination restaurant no no more than the pub is a destination mm. pub We've very, very I love s- the front counter oh my <laughs> god oh do you know something there's a quaintness there's there's history in those timbers isn't yeah. there I mean the front end of the pub dates back to 1717 there's not many pubs left in the country that can still show the authenticity of an Irish pub and then you go right through into the back and you've got the beautiful view over the moorns and the coolies and you have the modern restaurants you have the modern meets the old yeah. and I think that's what, what the charm about the place is about um, and as well as that what I think has transformed the restaurant as well is the type of events that we're holding now so we're, we're, we're trying to think a little bit outside the box because I think in rural Ireland you kind of have to and I think that's one of the the, the main stories that I, I got from last night is that you know you don't have to be a super pub you don't have to be the 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 you know the most uh, uh, the most fine, the, the biggest pub in Ireland yes. to succeed. The yeah. small rural pubs have a place yeah. in society, and it's the number one tourist attraction in Ireland. The pubs, people come here for the pubs, for the crack, for the people. Um, and last night in the RDS was a celebration of that, and everybody there, in my eyes, was a winner. Now we are very lucky to be the <laughs> ultimate no, winner. Now we're, we're delighted with it. But everybody in there and listen to all their stories was fab as well. And their story, what I think helped us as well is the events that were combining food with entertainment, like the the very successful 
opera nights that we run. This Saturday night is no exception. We have a sold out opera night on Saturday night, which sold out about six months ago, mm. really on the back of Daniel O'Donnell and Magella coming for the B&B, yes. which was great. Uh, we have another one on New Year's Eve, another opera night, which we still have tickets for. We have Zoe Conway, who i seen at the FLA was phenomenal. Beautiful. Oh, she's Oh, fantastic. that girl is such a talent. But I know what you're doing. You're saying to me, you're looking at other ways of adding value to yeah. what you have there with you know this entertainment these great people coming to you the festival as well, well like which f- you've come here every year to have a chat yeah, about with us thanks very much Jerry. I mean no, not at all like, like to get the support from LMFM is fab and to be honest for the with the with the Taste of Toher which we have every September I mean linking in with the Boyne Valley flavours uh, and the phenomenal food producers we have in the area and also I have to say the backing of Loud County Council has been really really uh, really brilliant towards that festival um, and also we're putting together a seafood trail next. Now that's just on the pipeline but Lake County Council have, have uh, gotten on to the new food tourism officer who's the food tourism officer for Boyne Valley Flavours and now we're hoping to put a, a, a seafood trail from Omeath to um, to Drogheda which Brilliant. will be f- fantastic. And look at what we have. Look what oh. we have all along that line as well uh, yeah. Connor. I mean you talk of Kerry, you talk of Cork, you talk of the Wild Atlantic Way Ireland's ancient east and the Louth and Meath coastline is as good as anywhere you're going to get in the country. Do you know? And that was reiterated last night when people heard about the glide in Anagas and they Googled it and went, oh my God, look at that view. Because when you go onto the website, you see the view at the back. You wouldn't see it anywhere else. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, I mean, we're so proud of our staff and of, uh, of our suppliers and everybody that has helped us to win this award. Now... You have them here and they're with us on the show today and I'm sure they're going to get pride of place down in uh, the Glide Inn. This is a great boost because, you know, when you put in all these hours, when the team gel together, when you go outside the box doing all these type of things, I suppose at times you wonder, you know, you're getting the business, of course, we know that. But an acknowledgement like this is just such a boost, isn't it, for everybody? It's the icing on the cake because, to be honest, we are busy. Like for, for a pub out in the middle of nowhere in rural Ireland, we're busy. But this is the icing on the cake. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, like today, as I said to you earlier on when you rang and says, Connor, can you come in? I said, I says, gee, I have to see if if I'm able to get in because we were flat to the <laughs> mat. We were flat to the mat. <laughs> and I like I, any bit of publicity is fab. Oh, I, yeah. I, I love yeah. it. And it's great to come in and chat with you, Jerry. Uh, but we were flat out for lunch and I, and I said, right, here's an opportunity. So I just said, let's fly <laughs> into Elmet and let's, let's get chatting And the Jerry. team did its thing because with you out of the equation, somebody else had to get in there and that's the way it works. That's and that's it. the essence of, of the brilliance of this. That's what about it. the folks? And uh, Oh, they're uh, absolutely delighted. And mm. I, mean, I mean, the whole story begins and ends with, with mum and dad. I mean, they've put in so much effort over the years. They've seen the good times, they've seen the bad times and uh, this is this is, uh, this is is the icing on the cake for them also. Uh, and, it's a, and, it's a, and it's a good pat on the back to say, job well done um, and they've really brought the business forward to where it is today. And without them, it, you know, none of this mm. would be possible. And for Anna Gasson and, and where well, you are, yeah. you, you know, talk about putting a place on the map. Anna Gasson is a hidden gem. Yes. And like we uh, know it, we know it here. Yeah, now the nation knows it. Well, that's it. And and some people will say, "Oh, don't tell anyone." Shh. <laughs> and that's the thing. And and uh, you know, it's and it's fair enough because it it's not overbuilt. It's it's got a beautiful coastline. It's 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 got everything. If you're looking for rural Ireland, 
on the doorstep of Dublin. That's exactly what it is. And nobody knows about it, but they do now. And I'm sorry, <laughs> but they do. <laughs> you bang that drum, boy, because yeah. you well deserve to. And you are so right in a general context. You are part of a wider movement mm. here. Boyne Valley up to Omeath, this whole area here. Look what we have here and we mm. have to offer. You don't have to go to, look, Kerry and the Corks and the Galways and the West are lovely. But we have wonderful people, wonderful resources on our doorstep. Mm. Connor O'Neill, to your family, to yourself, to your staff, to everybody. Congratulations. Let me say it again. The Glide In, Irish Pub of the Year, National Pub of the Year 2018 and the best food pub in the land. You can't get better than that. Continued success. Thank you for joining me on the show today. And can I just finish off, if anybody wants to look at any of your events, just click on the glidein.ie and click on events. You'll see the whole list of them there. The whole shebang is there. Connor, thanks for the moment. Louise, we have a winner for Tommy Fleming. Who's going to the concert in St Magdalene's Church on the 6th of December? The lucky lady is Jennifer Kelly from Liscari and Drogheda. Well done to you, Jennifer. Those tickets are yours. That's it for uh, Thursday's Late Lunch. Thanks for joining us. Eddie's up next with The Drive and we're back to do the final show of the week with you tomorrow from half one. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.